Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Bill Press Pod. You know, the next vote for president is still 18 months away, and yet we've never seen a presidential campaign like this one. For one, there's more at stake than ever before, given that the man running for re-election is the most incompetent, most corrupt, and most disgusting president we've ever seen. And given the fact that there are more Democratic candidates than ever before, each one of them with good ideas about how to get America back on track. Now, how to make sure that each of those candidates can make his or her case to the American people and get a fair shot at winning the Democratic nomination. That's the challenge facing the chairman of the Democratic National Committee. We caught up with Chairman Tom Perez at the headquarters of the DNC. Chairman, it's good to see you. Always great to be with you and your listeners, Bill. So let me start out by asking you, you and I have been around politics a long time, you and the Justice Department also, and we know that politics can be a rough and tumble game and Republicans and Democrats engage in lively debate on the issues um, about how we can best move this country forward. Did you ever think you would see a day when the president of the United States would tell four Democratic members of Congress they ought to go back where they came from? No, I didn't, Bill. Uh, Every week we reach new lows. I've stopped saying you're not going to believe what happened this week because every week there's something that so far exceeds the bounds of uh, civility and what we should be doing as a as a democracy that we just have to stop saying that and uh, this president is the most dangerous president in American history and uh, I say that with Richard Nixon and Mm -hmm. others in mind and that's why I ran for this job because I knew our democracy was on fire back in 2016 when I announced my running, I totally underestimated the extent of the five alarm blaze. And that's why it's so important for us as Democrats to remain focused on defeating Donald Trump. Uh, This is a democracy imperative. Do you think he's a racist? I think he has said so many things that are racist. I think he has uh, used race sexual orientation, gender identity, and uh, religion, uh, to d- and gender for that matter, to, def- to divide our country. Our leaders should be uniting us, not dividing us. Our leaders, the, the easiest layup he had in his presidency was Charlottesville. That, that was an easy, easy uh, issue to absolutely denounce. And, and when you sit there and say both sides have a good point, that's that's just not right. That is, that's offensive. And so 
uh, he continues to divide our nation along these uh, fault lines, and he continues to engage in the politics of zero sum. You can only succeed if the immigrant fails. Uh, that's not who we are as a nation. I, I think the most enduring symbol of our democracy is the Statue of Liberty, and, and, and Lady Liberty has been taking some body blows, but Lady Liberty is resilient, and the American democracy is resilient, and we're going to make sure he's a one-term president. You served as a member of a president's cabinet. Were you in the cabinet when the president of your party said something like that? What would you do? Get up and walk out. But I never had to worry about that. Remember when scandal was uh, Obama wearing a tan suit one June or July day? That was the definition of scandal on Team Obama. And here we have not only the president uh, saying things that are so divisive. Uh, and, it, I mean, he's the commander-in-chief. There's, a, there's a conduct unbecoming an officer uh, is what people in the military get charged with. Uh, this is conduct unbecoming a president. And, and then you have, when you have the culture set from the top, it should come as a surprise to no one that you have all of these cabinet secretaries who've had to step down amid scandal, whether it was the HHS secretary. That's like 15 scandals ago, Bill. Uh, and... And then most recently, the, the labor secretary and so many in between. And some who are still serving while they were buying China uh, for, for tens of thousands of dollars, wasting taxpayers' money. Imagine if the tables were turned and you had uh, a Hillary Clinton administration with cabinet secretaries uh, doing even one of the things that these Republicans have done. Uh, you, you would have... 48 hearings, and you would have Republican outcry, and, and now you have the appalling silence. And that's where history will judge this party so harshly, because the McConnells of the world, the appalling silence in the face of such um, absolute uh, statements that are, that are just absolutely inappropriate, uncalled for, conduct that is uncalled for, conduct that borders on criminal, and, and there are investigations underway in some cases, and the appalling silence of the Mitch McConnells of the world, and the Paul Ryans before him, uh, they are and, both, uh, the, history will treat them harshly. And Kevin McCarthy today. And right Kevin now. McCarthy today. What does it tell you about the Republican Party, this deafening silence on the part of the leadership um, up and down the line? The party of Lincoln is dead. Uh, the party of Lincoln, uh, which was once the party of civil rights, is dead. It's been replaced by the party of Trump. The party of Trump is a party of extreme, uh, extremism, extremism on every front. They want, they don't want capitalism because capitalism that is inclusive is a capitalism that gives opportunity for everyone. They're they're one bill that they've passed is a bill that provides reckless tax cuts for people who didn't need it and corporations who don't deserve it. That's their quote-unquote signature accomplishment. And what that has done is that has made our capitalism more difficult to work. You know, the Democrats are the party that brought us Medicare and Social Security and Medicaid and the Affordable Care Act and the Fair Labor Standards Act and the labor movement. And, and what all those things had in common is that Republicans who opposed them called them socialism. 
<laughs> those weren't socialism. Those were what those capitalism without guardrails is not capitalism. And and all of those things that we fought for, Medicare and Medicaid and Social Security and the Fair Labor Standards Act, that is what has given capitalism the guardrails that it needs and and have given opportunity to people look at all the seniors who were living in poverty uh, before we passed uh, social security and and medicare and all of these things so many republican operatives have privately said that what donald trump is doing is deliberate uh it is all about 2020 uh, dividing the country pitting particularly uh white people against people of color um, is is kind of what he did in 2016, and that's going to be the centerpiece of his 2020 campaign. This is what it's going to be all about. Is it a strategy that'll work in 2020? I don't think so. It didn't work in 2018. Look at what happened in 2018, uh, Bill. We we built a 50-state party, and the we isn't just the DNC. It's everybody in the ecosystem, uh, the labor movement, uh, legacy organizations, newly emerging organizations. I'm a huge fan of the indivisible chapters across this country. I knocked on doors with so many of them. And, and what we did to succeed in 2018 is we had a unity of purpose, we talked about the issues that people cared about most, and the number one issue then, the number one issue now is health care. Democrats are fighting to ensure that if you have a pre-existing condition, you can keep your health care. We're fighting to bring down the cost of prescription drugs. And Trump was drugs. talking about immigration and, and Trump was, caravans. The, the, and... the distraction of 2018 for him was caravans. The distraction of 2020, he's going to try to call everything socialism. And again, that's the oldest trick in the book. Look at Medicare. Look at Medicaid. Look at the Social Security Act. They called everything socialism. That is, that is such a, a distraction uh, what we're trying to do is make sure that capitalism works for everybody. And when we stay focused on the on the matters at hand, and I, I travel all around this country and I, I talk to people. I was in Arizona uh, a week ago and I met a guy whose son, 48 hours into his life, became a statistic in the sense that he was born with a heart defect. He needed a heart transplant. Uh, from 48 hours into his mm -hmm. life, he was a person with a pre-existing condition. And thank God the Affordable Care Act was in place for his son because they incurred seven figures worth of health care bills. Whoa. And one of the features of the Affordable Care Act is that you cannot put a cap on, on lifetime benefits. If the Affordable Care Act weren't in place, they would be filing for bankruptcy plainly and simply. And and that's what we need to do. We Bill, we must be out there talking about these key issues. In Wisconsin, dairy farmers are taking it on the chin. The the bankruptcy rate for dairy farmers is the, in Wisconsin is the highest in the nation. The suicide rate among mm. farmers is increasing. And you know why? The straw that broke the camel's back was tariffs because they can no longer sell their milk to, to mm -hmm. places like Mexico. Mexico's found new markets after Trump did this. And, and he made all these promises that he doesn't keep. He said there'd never be a plant closure. And it was Barack Obama who saved the auto industry. And it's, and it's Donald Trump who presides over the closure of the Chevy plant in Lordstown, Ohio, the Harley plant. 
outside of Kansas City, the Carrier Plant in Indiana. The trail of broken promises runs deep, and we're going to make sure that the American people know those broken promises and equally, if not more importantly, know what Democrats are fighting for because we're not simply going to talk about what's wrong with Trump. We're going to talk about what's right about what Democrats are fighting for. So before we get back to you wearing your DNC chair hat, I want to ask you one more. I want to find a question about your hat as labor secretary. You, you presided sure. over the over the labor department, and your successor was Alex Acosta. You just mentioned him, the most recent person to leave the Trump the Trump cabinet in the middle of a scandal. Uh, what's your assessment of Acosta's tenure at labor? Well, the most charitable word I can use is underwhelming. <laughs> Um, yeah, the Labor Department's supposed to uh, be on the side of workers. The mission of the Department of Labor is to empower workers, to make sure workers get a fair shake. And at every turn, when it was a choice between do I protect workers or do I help uh, employers who don't need the help, they would side with employers. We did an overtime rule when I was labor secretary. Overtime stands for the simple proposition that if you work extra, you should be paid extra. And we needed to modernize the rule because it hadn't been modernized in years. And we created a new threshold which would have given a much uh, deserved raise to people working overtime. The Republicans worked their tails off to undo that. And uh, Secretary Acosta uh, was aiding and abetting in that effort. You, we, we passed a, a rule that was designed to help people saving for retirement. It was a critical rule that made sure that when you went for advice for your 401k program, uh, that the advisor had a legal and ethical obligation to put your best interests first, and this administration uh, killed that rule. There was a person who oversaw mine safety. This is this is a this is a vivid example of what happened at the labor department over the last three years. This person's been there 42 years, career employee. Uh, his mission is to make sure that coal miners don't breathe dirty air and don't die or get hurt on the job. And they moved that guy out. 41 years on the job. Why? Because the new head of uh, MSHA, the Mine Safety mm -hmm. uh, uh, Administration, was from the industry. And God forbid you'd want somebody doing mine safety enforcement who was looking out for workers. At every turn, they were looking out for their fat cat interests at the expense of workers. That's not what the Labor Department should do. Instead, they made the uh, uh, the coal company lobbyist uh, head of EPA, right? I mean, well, and, and the the head of the mine safety as well. I mean, the it, it's uh, the it, it is unfair to all foxes across America to compare this to foxes guarding the hen house, <laughs> whether it's EPA, the Labor Department, uh, HHS, or the like. Now, um, the question, looking at twenty twenty, the question that everybody wants to know, Mr. Chairman, is. Um, We've got 23 candidates at this last count, I believe, because uh, Eric Swalwell dropped out, but Tom Steyer jumped in. Who's your favorite? I love them all. <laughs> and uh, my job at the DNC, Bill, is to make sure that everyone gets a fair shake. And we put reforms in a year ago, uh, our superdelegate reform. We reformed our primary and caucus process so that we would have more primaries. Why? because it, more people participate when we have more primaries. And we have six states that used to be caucus states that are going to be primary states. And so we're making it easier for people to participate. And equally importantly, we've created a process 
in this uh, Democratic primary season that is giving every candidate uh, multiple chances to demonstrate what they're what they're mm-hmm. fighting for, what their values are, and well, um, you know, there was a lot. I think of, that's really important. There was a lot of criticism in 2016 that the DNC, not under your tenure, uh, had its thumb on the scale between the the, the two leading candidates. Do you believe that's if if that happened, then that's no longer the case? That it's a yep. level playing field. I think today? we've created a level playing field, and every single day, our North Star mission is to make sure that level playing field continues to exist. I'll, I'll give you one very recent example: uh, Congressman Swalwell uh, got out of the race uh, recently, uh, decided that um, you know he needed to you know bring his race to an end, and he said very nice things about the DNC. He, in fact, he. He uh, sent an email out to our grassroots uh, fundraising list, yeah, both uh, praising the DNC and, and underscoring the importance of the DNC. Our job is to treat everyone fairly and give everyone a fair shake because everyone, all but one of these candidates, isn't going to make it to the mountaintop. But what we have to make sure is that all of their candidates, all of these candidates and their followers are excited about who our nominee is. Everybody has to have a chance to swing the bat. And uh, some some will make contact, some some may not. But uh, we're not throwing any brushback pitches. Uh, we're going to make sure that everyone does get that fair shake. And we're already in the middle of it uh, with uh, one debate behind us, another debate coming up soon, which we'll get into with uh, Chairman Tom Perez right after a quick break. We're talking with Tom Perez, Chairman of the Democratic National Committee. And the Bill Press Pod brought to you today by the American Federation of Government Employees, the good men and women of the AFGE under President J. David Cox. They're the ones who uh, take care of all of our federal agencies, keep them running day after day, proud Americans who are proud to get up and work for America every day of the week. Check out their website at afge.org. We salute them, thank them, for their support of the Bill Press Pod. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So, Mr. Chairman, welcome back. Uh, And let me ask you about, we've had already one debate uh, at June 26-27 down in Miami. Uh, NBC, MSNBC, and Univision. Telemundo. Uh, Telemundo, sorry. Uh, I get them confused. Sorry about that. I saw you right there alongside of... uh, Reverend Sharpton? Oh, I didn't... We sat right next to each other. Okay. Uh, Right there in the front of the the hall. What did we learn from the first debate? We learned that our shared values are our strength. Every Democrat who's running for president wants to ensure that everyone has access to quality, affordable health care. Thanks to Democrats dating back to LBJ with Medicare and Medicaid and most recently with Barack Obama, we're, we're way up... We're, we're, we're approaching the mountaintop. We had a, a spirited debate about how we get from where we are now, maybe 90% to the mountaintop. How, how do we get that last 10%? There are definitely differences of opinion on how to get to that last 10%, but everyone believes that if you have a pre-existing condition, you should keep your coverage, and everyone's fighting to reduce the cost of prescription drugs. And you know, on, on climate, there, there's no discussion about whether the science is right or wrong. We all know that, unlike the other side. Did and we learn that there are too many candidates? Well, I don't think so. I mean, I think we have to allow the process to run its course. Every single candidate running for president uh, has has a really strong following. And, I want, and my message to all of them is that we're giving your candidate the opportunity to shine. Uh, we've had, we will have had, by the end of July, two debates uh, and you know we had record or near record viewership uh, mm-hmm. in um, the the June debates. I expect we will again have millions of folks uh, looking at the July debates. In addition, uh, Bill, you know we've provided and uh, and the networks. I, I applaud the, these town hall meetings. There have been multiple opportunities for every candidate, not just the candidates that are mm-hmm. polling higher. To get um, to, to to get their message out, and I think that's really important. I think everyone is getting a fair shake. So the next debate coming up in in Detroit uh, on CNN, July uh, thirty thirty one. Rules have changed a little bit with CNN. What can we well, expect? Actually, What's going to be different? Uh, the, the 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 thresholds in June and July are the same for for to qualify, to qualify for Correct. participation, and I anticipate. You know, we will have uh, 20 people, 10 each night. Uh, and what, what is different about the CNN debate is actually the, the selection of the, which candidates will appear on which night is actually going to be done live on CNN. Because, again, uh, I want, we want complete transparency in this process, and, and I think we've demonstrated that we are, we are really committed to giving everyone a fair shake. Now, September... The, the threshold gets raised, and we already announced that roughly uh, five, six weeks ago because we wanted to give fair notice to all the candidates. So right now the threshold is 1% or 65,000 unique donors. Uh, for September, the threshold is 2% in at least four different polls and 130,000 donors. 
And the beauty of the grassroots fundraising has been that uh, early on in a campaign cycle, polling oftentimes measures name ID. And, and, we, and we have some great candidates running who were very well known in their own jurisdiction, but not well known nationally. So we wanted to give them an alternative pathway. And we also wanted to give a pathway to the American people to participate. And quite literally, for $1, you can sit there and watch the debate and say, I had an effect on who got on the debate stage. But I isn't that a flaw in the system in that just with $1, I mean, somebody can claim they've got 130,000 donors which means they raised $130,000, which is I, like nothing in national politics. Well, I mean, shouldn't there be like a maybe a $20 minimum or 25 I actually bucks? think it's a strength of the system because what it measures is, uh, first of all, it, it, it requires that candidates engage the, the grassroots. And these donors who are giving a dollar now, uh, as they watch their candidate, they'll give more later. I mean, you look at after the first debate, uh, Julian Castro had a very strong debate, and the next day, um, in, in the ensuing 48 hours, he got quite a bit of uh, grassroots investment. And so I think giving average Americans who are you know, not rich, but they want to participate in our democracy, giving them that opportunity, I think, is a strength of this process. Right. The, the rap that I hear from a lot of Democrats is, well, for some Democrats, I should say, the party has moved too far to the left. Has, well, has it? I, I think the party is fighting for the issues that people care about. Uh, it, I, the notion that everybody should have access to quality, affordable health care, that's a proposition that the party's been fighting for for decades. My former boss, Ted Kennedy, was fighting for universal health care uh, in the 70s and in the 60s. Uh, we're fighting to make sure that uh, our economy works for everyone, not just a few at the top. Uh, the, the, right now, the, the, the rampant in income inequality is uh, just undermining our, our economy and it undermines our democracy when, when such a few have so much and everybody else uh, doesn't have uh, enough. That's not America. And when the labor movement continues uh, to take gut punches from state legislatures and federal and state courts, uh, I, I think it's a fundamental part of uh, who we are as a democracy to fight for a strong labor movement, a woman's right to choose, an immigrant's uh, ability uh, to settle in this country. We can be a nation of laws and a nation but of do immigrants. You, do you see a risk that the party could move on some issues so far to the left that they kind of blow an opportunity to, uh, to get rid of Donald Trump and turn off a lot of the middle America Voters? Well, I think what we have to do uh, to win elections, if you, you know, when you look at the, the broad data, we need to make sure we have a, a strong, motivated base and, not or, and we win moderate voters. And we did exactly that in 2018, Bill. Mm -hmm. And we did that because we had a unity of purpose and a unity of focus. Uh, we focused on health care. We focused on that everywhere. And what I say repeatedly and relentlessly is that we can never conflate unity and unanimity. Uh, I'm not asking everyone to agree with what I say or what's in the platform of the Democratic Party. I'm proud of the platform of the Democratic Party. It's, it's incredibly inclusive and progressive, uh, and it reflects the values of the American people, the majority of the American people. Um, at the same time, I, I am not asking everyone to agree with everything that I, I say 
or is in our platform. But what, what we must recognize, especially now with the most dangerous present in American history, is that what unites us far exceeds what our differences are. And, and so let me just give one example. Healthcare. Again, we're going to have a debate on how to get from roughly 90%, and we can debate whether it's 90 or a little less or a little more, but we're substantially up the mountaintop thanks to Democrats. The, the, the Affordable Care Act was a heavy lift, to state the obvious. We're having a debate about how to get the rest of the way to the mountaintop. What we can't allow to happen is for someone to say, well, it's either this pathway or the highway. There are multiple pathways to universal health care, and I would respectfully assert that nobody has a monopoly on the moral high ground. And so that we're going to have, we're, the, the candidates have differences of opinion. Voters are going to figure out who's, whose position best aligns with mine on this critical issue, whose position on climate and how we get, uh, how we address this best aligns with mine. But we cannot allow ourselves to say it's either this pathway, or I'm not going to vote, or I'm not going to participate. I, I lived through Gore Bush, what's the difference? I lived through mm -hmm. Jill Stein. And I mean, if we had just kept the Jill Stein voters in Michigan and Wisconsin in 2016, we would have won those two states. Um, we, we must focus on the task at hand and not demand perfection as defined by you know, a, one person or another. In the first debate, we saw one back and forth uh, got a lot of attention between Senator Harris and uh, Vice President Biden. Um, these Democratic candidates are bound to disagree on some issues. Are you worried that that they spend so much time attacking each other, it gets so negative again that uh, it could hurt the party in 2020? Listen, I, what do I you think tell them when you talk to them? I, I think we need to have a robust, spirited debate. Uh, I don't. Uh, we we will have disagreements on on issues, but what we can have disagreements on are values. Uh, the Democratic Party has always been the party. Uh, the, the Democratic Party that I know in my lifetime is the party of civil rights. It's LBJ who made uh, courageous decisions in '64 and '65 and '68. On, on civil rights, and it's been Barack Obama and others who continued that that effort. And so we, we must continue to remind people that on all of these values that matter so much, uh, on, on making sure the economy works for everyone, it's the Democrats that are fighting for that. The Republicans want to have more wealth for the wealthy and, and the crumbs for everyone else. And, and that's what I remind our candidates of, because we, we must not allow ourselves. We, we can't form circular firing squads. That's what the other side wants to have happen. I'm confident it won't happen. I'm equally confident that we'll have spirited debates. I think that's good, Bill. And whoever comes out of this process, it's clear to me, is going to be battle tested because you've gotten through a 24-person uh, process. And similarly, we see this rumble, if I want to call it that, uh, in the Democratic caucus in the House between some more progressive members and the speaker or the leadership, the moderates in the House, the, the Problem Solvers Caucus. Uh, again, does that concern you, this little... You know, the, Listen, uh, our unity is our strength, and our diversity is our strength, and our, our you unity... You don't think it undermines our unity, a party. Our diversity is our strength as a party. I don't think... I, I, I think it's what makes us... 
the remarkably robust party uh, that we are. Will it, are there you know differences of perspective on how to get certain pathways? There will always be that. But what we must always remind ourselves of is the bigger picture. We must make sure that we are training our fire where it belongs, and that is on Donald Trump. We must defeat this president. It is a democracy imperative. My rule here is I want to spend 100% of every waking hour training my efforts on how we build the necessary infrastructure to defeat Donald Trump. I don't want to spend an iota of time um, uh, doing anything else. Uh, talking about any other any other uh, differences among the Democrats. So you and I have just fin- finalizing here. You and I have talked about this a lot. There's and just we've spent all the last time that we've had together talking about 2020, the presidential election. The focus is always on POTUS, right? Uh, there are a lot of other important races coming up in 2020. Uh, let's talk about Senate. Uh, let's talk about state governors. Let's talk about state legislators. Start with Senate. Important Senate races. Absolutely. Focused on that? Absolutely. That's why I was in Arizona recently. Uh, We've got tremendous opportunities. The mission of the DNC is to elect Democrats up and down the ballot from the school board to the Oval Office. What I'm most proud of, Bill, is that we've become a 50-state party again, that we have redoubled our efforts to elect people up and down the ballot everywhere. We have a Democratic governor in Kansas because of investments that we made. We were proud to be part of her success. In the Senate context, we've got opportunities in Colorado, in Arizona, in Maine, uh, and and in North Carolina, uh, in Iowa. I mean, the the list and is long. Please add and in Montana, and Kentucky, in Kentucky uh, McConnell. <laughs> I mean, the list is uh, remarkable. In Mississippi, uh, Mike Espy, in all likelihood, running again. I mean, I've given you just off the top of my head. You know, eight or nine races that I think are really remarkable. Uh, again, I we invested heavily in Kansas last year, and the beauty of that is it's when you build the infrastructure, the organizing infrastructure, the data and technology infrastructure, it's the gift that keeps on giving because we have a Senate race there as well. Mm-hmm. And Chris Kobach is running on the Republican side. He is right of Donald Trump, if that is at all possible. And so we're playing there. We're going to help Doug Jones defend his seat. We were one of the early investors in Doug in Alabama, and we've got to make sure that Doug uh, continues to be the senator down there. And one thing that does get lost, and certainly 10 years ago, Democrats took their eye off the ball when it came to state legislatures, and the result is a redistricting that we've never seen anything like it, and it's locked a lot of these extreme right-wingers in the House for 10 years. Uh, Focus. I'm glad. 2020. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we picked a lousy year, 2010, to get our butts kicked at scale. And we paid a price for 10 years. And we started in 2017 investing in Virginia. And now in 2019, we're poised to take the House, the State House, and the State Senate. In the 2017 2018 cycle, we helped flip eight legislative chambers from red to blue. If we win 32 seats in 10 legislative chambers in this cycle, we flip those chambers, and that has a 10-year impact. Again, if we win two seats in the Virginia House in 2019 Mm -hmm. and uh, one seat in the Virginia Senate, we flip those seats. We flip those chambers. In Arizona, 
We have 29 Democrats and 31 Republicans, thanks to investments that have been made. Two seats in the state uh, House and three seats in the state Senate in Arizona. We flip uh, Arizona. There is, and I could go through the list, and, and, and when we win those 10 chambers, we will be almost at parity. We're investing in governor's races, and the last time before 2018 that we flipped this many governor's seats in one cycle was 1982. Again, wow. this is these are 12-year election cycles, and that is why we are so focused on helping Democrats win up and down the ballot, and that's why I was with Democratic legislators in Arizona last week, uh, because I think we can... Uh, I think we can have two Democratic senators from Arizona. I think we can have a Democratic House and a Democratic uh, Senate. There's a there's an emerging new blue wall that's a Mountain West blue wall in addition to what we have elsewhere. It starts in Colorado. It moves to New Mexico and Arizona and Nevada and goes to the West Coast and up and down the West Coast. So it was red map in uh, 2010, and uh, we'll make it blue, ba blue map, you're right. saying, in 2020. And uh, mm -hmm. so just before we wrap up, just between you and me, your favorite candidate for 2000, 2020? Anyone but Donald Trump. I love all of our Democrats, and I, I here's what I say, Bill, to everybody. A, a B, and, D. Huh? No, I, I <laughs> say um, I want people to date Many people, I, you can you can be a uh, you can engage in polygamy with our candidates. Fall in love with many candidates now, and I predict you will because we have mm -hmm. so many. We have a deep field, and then fall in line with our nominee. That is a democracy imperative. Fall in love, fall in love with many. Fall in line with our nominee. Literally less than a year from now, mm -hmm. uh, we will have already had our nominee give his or her speech at the convention in Milwaukee. Uh, the convention starts July 13th. The convention, the, the, the nominee will give his or her speech on the 16th of July. And so uh, there's no time to waste. Mr. Chairman, you got a lot on your plate. Thanks so much for spending time with us. Always a pleasure, Bill. And that's a wrap for this edition of the Bill Press Pod. Thanks for listening. And don't forget where to find us twice a week on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. In fact, wherever you go for your favorite podcasts, we're there. And while you're there, please take time to help us in three ways. First, subscribe to the Bill Press Pod. Two, tell your friends to subscribe. And three, give us a great big five-star review. We need your help to get the word out and to grow the podcast. Again, thanks to Tom Perez, chairman of the DNC, available, of course, at Democrats.org. And thanks again to all of you for listening. Come back for the next edition of the Bill Press Pod. We'll be looking for you.